back to our seats. We'll get busy with our OTC video. 
from Senegal. 95% of people where I grow up are not Christian. But from all of that population, God picked my dad to be a pastor. Growing up was not easy seeing your friends going to school. We have to stay at home because my parents didn't have money to send us at school. I was so upset because all my friends have everything they want. When I say, Dad, why we are not blessed like them? And he said, even if you don't eat, even if you don't have stuff, Edward, remember that you have God. I was involved in the group Good News Club. That Wednesday was amazing. We were coming to have fun, laugh, joke, to do all of that. And uh, we received a box. We opened it. In the side of the box was toothbrush. I didn't have toothbrush when I was growing up. We used charcoals and salt to brush our teeth. Having it for the first time was just a miracle. This is the wow. It was wrapped like this. I didn't know what is inside. Carefully. This is my yo-yo. This is my yo-yo. Every day, every night, with the neighborhood, we always play. Someone cares. God, He cares so much. He had to use someone somewhere around the world to pack my box. I came to the United States because of my background being a track athlete. I was involved in the church in my local town. And one down, I saw the boxes I received when I was 14. And I was so excited. I didn't have words. I was just like, what is, what is this? Where is this going from? In reality, here people, is you guys are doing this for real? And they say, yes. I say, I received one when I was 14. And everybody was so happy. Everybody was looking at me like, yes, you are in our church. Seeing God connecting me being 14 and coming to United States and to see the two elements just connected as a perfect picture show me that I'm in the right spot. I'm in the right place serving the Lord. Daniel is my son. Daniel is the version of Edward in Senegal, but in the United States. Talking to him is the opportunity like my dad told me. No matter what you struggle with, Remember, you have a God that loves you. Then you pack box, and he likes to say also his dad received one. In the corner of this universe, you have a kid that is waiting for you to pack a box for them. It's not just a shoe box that you are packing. You are changing lives.
And I know some people are like, what's that proof? Nothing. You're absolutely right. It proves nothing. I, I think it's funny. The older we get, the more men brag about it. I was up at two. Why? I don't know. I was up. You know? I had my breakfast at three. Why? I don't know, but I had lunch at 7 a.m. Are you one of those morning people? They are mysterious. You know, like I said, I'm one of them. I'm one of those guys that get up and annoy my children to death that I will sing in their bedroom. You know, get up, get up. It's time to get up. And they say, Dad, stop. I love it. I do. I have a black with it. It puts a smile on my face. Not just that, but my youngest son, he has a parakeet in his room. And when I start singing, the parakeet starts chirping. And John rolls over and says, Birdie, shut up. I love it. I do. I love I love morning. To me, it's one of the greatest times in the world. It's a lot of fun with that. So, are you a morning person? Well, this is how I sleep in the night, though. Can I get look at that picture? Right? You can ask Betsy. That. I'm one of those guys that does that, man. I, I could be, my head could be down there, my feet could be there. I, I toss and turn and I roll all night long. And Betsy says, I talk in my sleep, so I have no secrets from Betsy whatsoever. Everything that's ever happened to me in my years of law enforcement and things that I don't want to tell my wife, she's learned about in my sleep. People say you, you had a conversation with somebody in your sleep and you were interrogating or you were questioning somebody. And I was an investigator, if you may know, for years. She said you were reliving something and you were questioning and talking to this person. And I heard this conversation. What exactly were you talking about? And I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't know. But I, it's, it's a mystery to me how I, I wake up in the morning like that. And do I feel refreshed? No, not always. But I do wake up around the same time. For years, I got up at 2.30, 2.45 to this day. I still wake up for a few minutes, 2.45 in the morning, to get ready to leave that for my shift. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I can't break that habit. It's just ingrained in me. Are you one of those people who can sleep anywhere, though? You ever met those kind of people? I mean, they, <laughs> you know one? Uh, perhaps you're one of them. You sleep outside. I know we've got a lot of military people and they slept out in those tents and uh, bivouacs and things like that. Uh, you sleep in the rain. I've done all of that outside. I've slept in the rain. What about on an airport floor? You ever slept there? What about in a hospital waiting room? And that brings back a lot of bad memories for us. So, would you be surprised where and how people can sleep? And some of you are thinking right now in your minds, that's good. Let me tell you, the work of preaching is to get you to think. If I get you to think, I've done my job. Uh, I slept in a saddle. Next one, so justice is true. I slept in solitary confinement of a maximum security penitentiary, surrounded by the most infamous and some of them the most famous people of modern Texas. The Bible has several instances where someone was asleep. And let's look at this morning to see what we can learn from them. Pardon the pun. So, if you have your Bibles, turn with me, please, to the prophet Jonah. The prophet Jonah. I want to start out looking at him. I want to spend a little bit of time on him. I do want to kind of get done with this sermon this morning. If not, I'll maybe bring it on for this evening. Uh, we shall see. Uh, Jonah 1, verses 1 through 6. Let's open up with prayer. Father, right now we come to you in Jesus' name. First thing I want to ask, Father God, is just hear fall. Fall like grace. Touch our hearts, Lord God. Take charge. If there be anyone who needs to come to know you as personal Lord and Savior, anyone needs to get their heart right with you, would you let today be that time? Lord, may we worship you through this message. May we worship you, Lord, by learning of you in your word. And I pray, Father God, that 
speak to us. Let there be a movement today. Let there be revival and renewal and repentance. And I pray that we begin in this generation. May we surrender our hearts to you. May we humble our hearts. Jonah 1, verses 1 through 6, the Bible says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee departure from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare, and he went down into it to go with them to Tarshish. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God, and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea, to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lower parts of the ship, had lain down, and was fast asleep. Y'all, that's why we're there. He's there for a reason. So the captain came to him and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? Rise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us, but it may not pay. And I want to show you a picture of what it may have looked like as they threw Jonah overboard. Some of you are familiar with the prophet Jonah. Love the prophet Jonah and love what he stands for, what he means for. I don't have a lot of time to get into his background, but I do want to show you his name means the dove of Yahweh. Picture. A wonderful picture about where God's presence is, where God's spirit is. And you can't get away from God. Some of you are thinking, I can run away from God. Some of you are online watching right now saying, I can stay out of church and not be in God's presence. You've got a lot to learn from the prophet Jonah. So how in the world could Jonah have this guy be asleep? The Bible told us that those winds and sea were so powerful that the boat about that for a second. How could that guy be asleep? That dude really could sleep anywhere, amen? I mean, he's one of those guys that can sleep. I imagine he was a morning person, too. So you, I know some of you already like, he's no longer my favorite prophet, God. He's a morning guy. Now, we don't know. However, I have asked that question a hundred times. How could he sleep through that? What's happening here? Remember, the sea is in an uproar, and Jonah is snoozing down below. And there's something very, very spiritual to learn from this. Did you notice that there's a lot of the word down in the first couple of verses? In fact, let's take a look at a few of them here in 2 and 3 here. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee the Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare and went down with them to Tarshish in the presence of the Lord. Look at verse 5. Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God, and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down to the lower parts of the ship, and he laid down fast asleep. Jonah is asleep. He is asleep at the wheel. Now, he has a commission from God. He has a job to do. He has a place to be. He has people to see. Jonah's asleep. That's right. He's asleep. 
He went down to Joppa. We saw in 1 verse 3. He went down into the ship. 1 verse 3. He went down into the lowest parts of the ship. 1 verse 5. Down is almost always, let me rephrase my saying here, almost always a direction away from God. Jonah's spiritually moving far away from God. And that's the picture that's painted there by the prophet as he's talking about his motions with God. I was moving away from God. I went down to Joppa. I went down into the ship. I went down into the farthest part of the ship. I laid down. I wanted to be out of the presence of God. And the picture of going down is moving away and away and away and away from God. And perhaps it's where you are this morning to the point where you lay yourself down and say, I'd rather act like I'm asleep than be a good one. Just picture Jonah does Now, that isn't a picture of what's happening in American churches right now. I don't know what is. Now, listen to me for just a second. Jonah steps away from God, and he goes to sleep. He's asleep. The world is falling apart, and Jonah the prophet is sleeping at the wheel. He's sleeping in the bottom of the boat. Right now, if you're listening online, if you're listening here in this church, we got a message to proclaim. And we are asleep at the wheel. We've been going to sleep for years thinking we can ignore the sea falling apart, the boat breaking up, and we think we can lay down in the bottom of the boat and just go asleep. How many of you have watched family after family after family fall apart, even in the church? Pastors, churches are falling apart. They're infected with secularism, humanism, popularism. We need to get up and get back to work. Somebody say amen this morning. Jonah is asleep. And I believe he's a picture for all of us to see. The world was falling apart as he knew it. The sea was falling apart as he knew it. His boat, his ride of security was falling apart. And that dude was down in the bottom of the boat sleeping. We were preaching to husbands this morning. We'd say families are falling apart. Broken by abuse, broken by alcohol, broken by drugs and adultery. In fact, I believe the prophet Jonah is a wake-up call. Get up! Get yourself back on top of the boat. Get yourself back into what's going on in this world. How do you do it? Well, that's the question. Isn't it? You notice, verse 5, that it's occasion to wake Jonah up. You ever thought about that for a second? Boy, that really sears my heart. It was the pagans that go down to Jonah and say, Get up and call upon your God. Are we going to wait for the rest of the world to come to the church and say, When are you going to start praying again, church? When are you going to start evangelizing again, church? When are you going to start witnessing again, church? Everything's falling apart. Boy, it is right now, isn't it? It is. Let me just tell you how bad it is in our world today. We got cats living with dogs. Amen. Someone said that's not natural. We got Democrats living with Republicans. That can't happen, can it? Oh my goodness. And you know what? Pagans look at Jonah. And I wonder when the world is going to knock on the door of the church and say, Get up, sleeper! Start calling upon your God. You've forgotten how to pray. You've forgotten how to notice what's going on in this world. You've been stuck in the bottom of the boat for years, ignoring everything around you. What kind of dad you've been lately? You think whatever problem 
mistake. My wife can handle it. You better get up, husband, and get back into action. You know what, church? We better get up and get back to action in our country because we are about to lose it. Pagans are working on their hearts. You say, well, how are pagans calling us today? Look me in my eyes. They are calling us today because they have brought to us the immorality of homosexuality, saying it's normal. They brought to us the lie that a man can feel like he's a woman and be a woman, that a woman can say I'm a man and be a man. And they have brought something called confusion into our world today. Let me tell you right now, the seas are bouncing and the boat is breaking up. We're talking about being a sea this morning. Being a sea. We're going to look at a few guys who fell asleep and we're going to find out what we can learn from them. Of course, we're looking at Jonah, and Jonah fell asleep at the bottom of the boat, and his intention was to ignore what was going on around me. I'll just sleep it away. Do you know anybody like that? Are you like that this morning? I'll just sleep it away when I wake up and all be gone. Gone. You know what? When you wake up, it's going to be there. It's going to be a little bit worse because of the years. Let's change gears look at one of my favorite books in the Bible. Let's flip over to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 6. Now, remember, we're not going to put Jonah away. We're going to keep Jonah there in the picture he has for us about falling asleep as a Christian, as a prophet, as a spokesperson for God and saying, I don't want to tell the world. I don't want to tell them because I don't like them. I don't want to tell the world because they'll get mad at me. I don't want to tell the world because they'll get offended at me. I'll just lay down here make myself ignored. Let's take a look at another guy in the scripture. He has a totally different circumstance. Let's look at Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 6 here. The Bible says, Now about that time, Herod, the king, stretched out his hand to harass someone from the church. Let me tell you, that's going to happen again. Amen? It's going to happen. Verse 2, Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. That was during the days of unleavened bread. Now, I'll be honest with you, church, my family, we had Bible study the other night, and we read this as our Bible study. And I stopped them and said, how can this dude be asleep when these things are going on? Look at me in verse 4. But when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep them. Now, some people say, Josh, how many soldiers is that? Four squads. Generally speaking, it's about 16 soldiers. If you have an older King James Version, it might say four quaternions, right? Or soldiers, four times four. A squad had four. We have four squads there, 16 soldiers. Tended to bring him before the people at Passover. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer, but we're going to come back to verse 5, was offered to God for him by the church. Verse 6, when Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Did you catch that? Peter is asleep between two soldiers. Now, this is a really manly story here. So I guess I'm going to have to teach Robert Bradley Baptist Church, or at least half of us, how to speak manly. We forgot that, haven't we? Now, women think men are difficult, but I'll be honest with you, men are not. We're not difficult at all. Men are definitely not difficult. So seeking man should be easy. Are you ready for this lesson? 
can't go any further in our message here until we learn how to speak man. Are you ready for this? Here we go. Let's check it out. Men are complicated. This is the language of men. And you need to learn this if you're going to go a little bit further. We're talking about soldiers. We're talking about prisoners. We're talking about prisons. We're talking about Peter caught up in chains between them. So you need to learn how men speak. This is the language of men. Are you ready? How does men say what's up? That's right. How do they say it? Dude, that's cool. I like what you're doing. How do they say I'd like to talk to you about something? How did it say? Did you see that? Now you understand men. You got this down pat. We're not complicated at all. Peter sleeps between two soldiers. How can you sleep between two of these dudes that don't have any underarm deodorant? Somebody answer that question for me. They've been wearing armor for months, it seems like. Right here they are in the prison, and Peter's sleeping. Now, this time it's different, though. It's not Jonah. Remember, Jonah's asleep because he wants to ignore what's going on. But Peter's sleeping for a totally different reason. And someone might say, well, it's because it's nighttime, John. Well, you're right. But there's something else that's happening there. See, this time, Jonah was out of God's will, and he went down to Joppa. He went down to the ship. He went down to the bottom of the ship. He laid down, and he went to sleep. Not Peter, though. Peter's arrested. Peter's captured. Peter's put in prison. And how many of you know, when we start doing the will of God, the enemy, the devil's going to do everything in the world to take you out of action. Someone say amen. They're going to put some chains on you. They're going to put soldiers all around you. That means you're going to have people going around saying, don't say that, don't say that, don't say that. That offends me. That's what that is. Quaternion is a soldier. Peter is in God's will. This time, it's a little bit different. And what can we learn from this this morning? Remember, Jonah was sleeping to ignore God. But Peter is sleeping to God. He knows something. He knows something that we've forgotten nowadays. Remember, when we looked in the book of Acts, chapter 12, did you catch that in verse 5? I thought we were going to come back to it. The church was constantly praying for him. And let me tell you right now, how could Peter fall asleep, chained between two guards, behind a heavy metal door, with his excuse me, with his execution coming in the morning. That dude was asleep. I wonder if he slept with a smile on his face. You know why? You know why he could do that? Because he was resting in the arms of God. Somebody get excited this morning. Jonah stepped out of God's will and he tried to sleep to ignore it. Peter was in God's will and he could sleep in comfort because he knew God was with him and would never leave him nor forsake him. Did you see that? That church was praying and praying and praying and praying. The Bible says constantly. And let me tell you what that means. That means praying and not stopping. That means it wasn't five minutes and said, I did my prayer. No, it was constantly, 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 never stopping, never ceasing, praying. Why? And Peter had all kinds of confidence in him. Constant prayer. Oh, Peter, one of my favorite guys. He could sleep in a prison with an execution looming because he knew that with God all things were possible. I wonder what through Peter's head that day. I wonder if he remembered walking out on the water and losing a little bit of faith. Or did he remember days 
shall I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for thy rod and thy staff comfort me. Did he remember thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path? Did he remember that, yea, for the world be against me? Did he remember what it means to walk with God? I think about Peter also. I think about what it would have been like to sleep. As I told you earlier, I slept in Rock Prison. I never slept soundly like that. I never slept unafraid like that. The slightest little noise and we were up. The slightest movement and we were up. We slept because we didn't sleep. I remember reading the memoirs of Vietnam soldiers. And they talked about how they were on point. And they hadn't slept in 96 hours. And they began sleeping on their feet they were walking, and they didn't know where they were walking to. And the next thing you know, they became conscious, and they walked out. They didn't know where they were, or where they were going, or what they were talking about. I wonder what it would have been like to be Peter in that prison. Think about his looming execution. To think about the heartbreak it would be in the church. To think about the church members. To think about those he wanted to the Lord crying and asking God, why? 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 Peter would have been too. I believe because he knew that was God all I believe that what came to his mind's eye was the face of Jesus Christ. I believe that he remembered Jesus saying, on this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You ever stop to read that well? You ever stop to look at how many gates Peter walked out of? It's amazing. It's a miracle. And those gates did not prevail. Peter was able to sleep because he was calling to God. He wasn't Jonah seeking to ignore what God was doing. King gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the king's lion. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring, and with the signet of his lord, that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. The king, now the king went to his palace, sent the night no musicians were brought before him. Let me tell you, that's something for one of these kings. These guys come sleep with music boxes all the time. And you might be saying, Pastor, I can never sleep like that. You can sleep with the TV on. Then you know what it's like. Also, the Bible tells us in verse 18, the sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the line. When he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. King spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver thee from the lion? And Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God 
also, O king, have done no wrong before you. Then the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatever was found on him because he believed. Bad things happened to him, but 
hurt came his way, he didn't fix it on his own. No, 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 no. He got on his knees. He said, Lord, what would you have your servant do? What would you have me do? I don't want to make the mistakes of the past, and I don't want to redo what we've already done trying to fix it ourselves. Now, one thing. Daniel begins praying and praying and praying. Because he fell asleep. And that morning, the stone rolled away. And that light poured into that dark lion's den. You can imagine the smile that was on that king's face. All night long, he was sitting there thinking the worst of the worst. That lion ate Daniel up. That lion chewed on his bones. That lion used him for a toothpick. Daniel, has your God been able to deliver you? I wonder what they talked about when he pulled Daniel up. Daniel, I've been up all night thinking about you. I wonder how Daniel responded. I slept like a baby. I fell asleep and I had no worries. There was no fear in me. How many of you know God's perfect love casts out all? How many of you know that if God be for us, who could be against us? How many of you know that no matter what the world deems against us, have you ever read Genesis 50, what you meant for evil, God has turned out for good. Daniel knew these things. Daniel believed in these things. Daniel held on to these things. And because of that, when the stone was rolled away, out comes Daniel, alive, happy, healthy, Look at Jonah who fell asleep, trying to ignore what God would do. We look at Peter who could sleep because he had confidence in what God would do. Now we look at Daniel, more specifically, kind of what the king did. He lost his sleep because of how he was. And let's conclude with this last picture of sleeping. That's right, Jesus in the boat. Jesus in the boat. Let's go to Mark 4 35 to 41. On the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. And when they had left the multitude, they took him along in boats, excuse me, in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Peter, do you not care that we are perishing? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Jesus was asleep. We've seen Jonah. We saw him sleeping to ignore what was happening. We've seen Peter sleeping because it didn't matter what was happening. God was in charge. We've seen Daniel being able to sleep because he knew that God was able to deliver him. Sometimes Jesus can't sleep. What does that mean to us? Well, number one, we can take great confidence that our Savior, that our High Priest is fully human. Amen? 
He knows what it's like to be human. He knows what it's like to be tired. He knows what it's like to be tested, to be tried, to be tempted. He knows what it's like, and He understands. He's also fully God. That means He is in control. Time need you to understand. In just a minute, the picture of what's happening here. As they put Jesus in this boat, and we're talking about James and John, we're talking about Peter and Andrew, we're talking about professional fishermen here. And they are in this boat, and the storm comes to the point where they get scared. Now, I want you to, to be a man with me. Remember, we learned how to speak, man. So I wonder what was happening in that boat that day. Jesus was sleeping. And out of a sudden, the storm comes. And I wonder if Peter looked over to Andrew and went, I wonder if Andrew responded but like, You know, women have learned to pick up on that as well. Because Betsy can say things to me with just a roll of an eye that I can write in 11 or 12 pages. True. True. But I wonder what happened that day. That storm came up, and I bet you they were acting just like normal men do. Don't wake up, Jesus. We got this. We, we can handle this. We're professional fishermen. Sound about normal? You might be saying that right now, too. I got this. I can handle this. I can fix this. I've been there before. Perhaps you're doing that. Yet Jesus is asleep. You know, I wonder what it's been like for James and John. Been on that sea for years. Now the sudden that storm to come. To the point that I have to wake up Jesus. I wonder if those two second brothers got together and said, What do we do? I wonder if Peter said, um, let's abandon the ship. I wonder if Andrew was like, don't be crazy. Let's vote on it. I wonder if John said, you know, let's ride it out. I wonder if James said, maybe we need to put up sail and let it take us where it needs to go. Finally, the Bible tells us the water's coming into the boat. This is enough to make Peter, Andrew, James, and John afraid. Finally, they decide to wake up Jesus. And you know, you need to understand. This is a bad storm. And I need you to understand the picture that's here. I need you to understand what the message is for us. We're talking about sleeping now. Remember Jonah? He fell asleep to ignore what was going on. Remember Peter? He fell asleep because it didn't matter what was going on. Remember Daniel? He could sleep because his God was able to deliver him. King couldn't sleep because there is no rest for the wicked. But here's Jesus asleep. The boat is sinking, and the children are doing what children do best, especially boy children. They're all talking amongst each other, saying, "What do we do? How are we going to do this? Surely we don't want to. We don't want to get him involved." Have you ever notice that? It's guys who do that the best. Somebody say, "Amen." Don't wake up. Don't tell the teacher. Don't tell them, hey, well, wait a minute, we can fix this first. No need to involve him. Finally, they wake up Jesus. Now, the picture you have here is something powerful. It's a storm. It's a storm so bad that the boat is sinking. It's a storm that's that frightening and that scary, yet Jesus is still asleep. 
And I need you to see the picture with me in your mind's eye. This storm, so powerful. Waves are coming in. And the water is overlapping. Yet Jesus is still asleep on a pillow. Talk about sleeping in the rain. You talk about sleeping in a storm. This is a storm. What is a storm? It's a bad storm. And thunder is going. And lightning is flashing. And the waves are moving boisterously. And the boat is rocking back and forth. And the disciples are beginning now to scream out in fear. They're beginning to cry out. What do we do? How do we do it? Because that man language doesn't work anymore. That doesn't work when you're getting talked about. Finally, they go up to Jesus. You see the picture? It wasn't the lightning that woke up Jesus. It wasn't the thunder that woke up Jesus. It wasn't the waves coming in the boat that woke up Jesus. It wasn't even the disciples' fear that woke up Jesus. It wasn't the noise that they were making that woke up Jesus. It was the sincere prayer. Lord, we're perishing. Please get up and get in control. And that's what we need right now back in American churches because we're sinking. We're dying. American families are breaking up. They're sinking and they're dying. And we need to cry out, Lord, we're perishing. It is time. It's in time. Perhaps you're sitting in the seat this morning. Or you're watching online this morning. You say it's a God fix meeting. Let me tell you right now. There is nothing impossible for God. Nothing. Our God is a miracle working God. Our God is good. Our God is gracious. Our God is forgiving. Nothing can pluck us out of this hand, man. Not one thing, not even the 
morning. Blessed be the name of the Lord. All right. Uh, as you probably have known, this is a special call business meeting, so I do need a motion on the floor that we begin a special call business meeting. I have a motion by Sister Stephanie, and I have 